0: Welcome to Dog Talk and Kitties Too. This episode features one of the three guests on my hour-long NPR show heard every Sunday on WLIW-FM 88.3, the only NPR station on Long Island, where it has broadcast continuously for 14 years. I'm Tracy Hotchner. I wrote the Dog Bible, Everything Your Dog Wants You to Know, as well as the Cat Bible, everything your cat expects you to know, because I care about people who care about cats, dogs, and other creatures who share our planet. I'm also the founder and director of the New York Dog Film Festival and the New York Cat Film Festival, which travel America and Canada, supporting local animal welfare groups. I could not bring you this show without the support of Dr. Elsie's, the privately owned litter and cat food company founded by Dr. Elsie, a feline-only veterinarian who's created a variety of litters to please any cat, as well as inventing clean protein cat foods based on the protein found in cats' natural prey. This show is also made possible with the generous sponsorship of Waruva, the fam owned Foreman Pet Food Company, named after their rescued kitties, Webster, Rudy, and Vanessa, where all their recipes in cans and pouches are human edible because they're made in a human food facility. Good enough for you to eat, but your cats won't appreciate that. I am back with Wayne Pacelli, the president of Animal Wellness Action and the Cement the Center for a Humane Economy. We could only barely scratch the surface, Wayne, of the work that you've been doing, A great deal of it in turning into law things that we think might be, well, why isn't that already a law? How can that not already be against the law, the kind of horrible things that people are doing to animals? And yet there is such pushback both by the lawmakers, who I guess are mostly the senators, but you'll have to explain that to me. But also there's some thing, some buddies called stakeholders I'm very concerned about this word stakeholders. When Humane Society International, which was a spinoff of your work at Humane Society of the United States, when they were or continue to be trying to shut down the dog meat trade in South Korea, and I interviewed a couple of people through, um, you know, HSI, and they said, oh, there's stakeholders that want to maintain the dog meat trade. It seems like a euphemism for something very worrisome. So I said, well, there can't be like big agribusiness dog meat uh, growers. And they said, oh, there actually is. It's like, wow. So who are the stakeholders in your sort of top five or ten issues? Mm -hmm. Are they people that stand to make money from shark fin sales, which are now outlawed? Mm -hmm. Right doping horses on race day that even the jockey club of america worked with you to say we don't want the horses dope bad for them bad for us who are the stakeholders are they just people that that stand to make a buck or is it something more than that when when in your world the world of animal welfare in in sort of opposition to policies who are the stakeholders well, get in the cr- way
1: mm-hmm. great question tracy you know it's only because the, the only reason we are attempting reform is that there's a problem that has been where, where the where the problematic treatment of animals has been thwarted for years. So there, the stakeholders typically are the people involved in profiting from the use of animals. And it typically comes with all sorts of high-minded rationalizations and justifications. Let's take the issue of of animal testing that we discussed right. um, in our pri- in our yes. prior interview, so there are multiple categories of animal testing. A lot of people are familiar with cosmetic testing on animals. That you know they 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 put a substance in the eye of a rabbit as a proxy for the human circumstance, and that's supposed to protect us when when you know a woman puts on mas- mascara and we have an outcome that okay well we've done this testing therefore it's safe well now we have hundreds of companies that have have relented on this issue and now they market their product saying no testing of animals if you buy this product that's a great advance but it took decades decades and now hundreds of companies have have this little insignia on their product yes there are other categories of animal testing there's chemical testing. We have chemicals in everything, right? We have it in our pillows and we have it in our packaging and we've got it all over the place. And most of these chemicals are not screened properly. There are thousands of them in use. These are different compounds where we've now put these products into every aspect of our lives and we're interacting with them. So animals were used to screen these chemicals, but it wasn't it wasn't perfect in a lot of ways, which we don't have time to go into. But there are multiple reasons for animal testing, but the biggest one of all is drug testing. So if you have a a bone medication or a pain medication or an Alzheimer's drug or a cancer drug or a heart drug, or you name it, I mean, are skin medicines, there's everything you can think of. That's a big part of our medical establishment is drugs. So 75% of all animal testing in our estimation at Animal Wellness Action and the Center for Humane Economy, relates to drug testing. So who are the so-called stakeholders? Well, the stakeholders are the pharmaceutical companies that are part of a $1.2 trillion annual sector that is churning out these drugs. Then you have all the academic institutions, you know, researchers at the University of Southern California or the University of Florida or Yale University, their PhDs, they're doing drug development work, so they're stakeholders. Then you've got government agencies like the National Institutes of Health, which has $40 billion from government coffers to do research, and drugs are a big part of that research. Then you've got breeding laboratories. You had a big case of beagles at That's a company right. called Envigo. Yep. So this is a company that breeds beagle to send them into drug testing research, and the U.S. Department of Justice basically ordered them to be shut down because of animal welfare act violations. But they're a stakeholder because they're a contract breeding lab, and then some of the pharmaceutical companies have contract testing labs where they outsource the testing. So, what do you think of stakeholders, Tracy? It's just an ecosystem of people who are profiting from the use of animals.
0: Can I just ask you about Anthony Fauci, because White Coat Waste Project really has depicted him as the a king in the evil empire of this testing, personally gaining an enormous amount of money, personally right in his pocket, but being a big stakeholder and a big proponent of testing and a big proponent of these, the, the whole churn of the ecosystem, breed the animals, ship the animals, house the animals. Everybody involved can make a buck along the way, as well as Dr. Mehmet Oz, I guess, at Columbia University, <laughs> testing on beagles, right in New York City, you know, Ivy League College, lots of uh, supposedly woke people, very sensitive to important issues and right into their noses. Mm-hmm. And dogs were being cruelly tested and apparently for not even a really important outcome. But lots of money was being made on the in, on the out, and grants, and a lot of the NIH money, as I understand it, is taxpayer money. How is this all happening right under our noses? And the average person, which I consider myself one, didn't even see this in plain sight.
1: Yeah. Well, you're not average, Tracy. You are very... <laughs> I <laughs> am average in terms and, of my knowledge well, of,
0: of government. Yeah, okay, I'm very well, in very passionate about animal welfare and human yeah. welfare, but government is a is a big yeah. question mark to me you, you said in our last conversation that in order to get the the big cat bill passed that people shouldn't be allowed to have and breed and make a buck on lions and tigers is kind of logical they don't belong in New Jersey or wherever they were Louisiana you had to hotline the bill I mean I've never even heard of story of words yeah. like that hotline the bill and then there were three senators who had a hold on the bill. So out of a hundred senators, and in the end you got a hundred of them to agree, and all hundred had to agree, what is having a hold on a bill? It sounds like blackmail.
1: Well well, really goes back to your question about the stakeholders, right? That these issues are all complex and for me and you and so many other Americans and so many people throughout the world, you hear that animals are being unnecessarily harmed, they're right. being tormented. For frivolous purposes, you say, like well, that's a simple issue. Stop mm-hmm. it. Stop mm-hmm. doing that to animals. They mm-hmm. feel pain, they have lives that matter to them. yep, we can do better. We're smart enough as a species to figure out ways for us to lead quality, safe lives without leaving a trail of animal victims. Well, said. but when you're thinking about when you think about all of the public policy issues in the animal welfare space, the use of animals in agriculture, the use of animals in testing and research, the use of animals and wildlife management and fashion. There are stakeholders, right? There, yeah, that—that's yeah. that euphemistic word mm-hmm. that you mentioned earlier in our conversation. These are big, powerful interests. I mean, the pharmaceutical sector is more than a trillion dollars of our economy. They've got a phalanx of lobbyists. They've got influence. They exercise that influence, and so does the factory farming lobby. So does the puppy mill lobby. So does you know yeah. the trophy hunting lobby. So when you think of the United States Congress, which is the Congress refers to both the United States Senate, 100 senators, and then the U.S. House of Representatives, 435 members. There are lobby groups that are, are very influential with these lawmakers, and they make their case just like we make our case, and oftentimes it's a draw. And that means there's stasis, it means that the bill is blocked, right. and you mentioned this this procedural issue, you know, a lot of the major animal issues, they're important to you and me and a lot of your listeners, but they're not top tier issues. They're not on the front page of the New York Times or the L.A. Times right. uh, every day. You, you, as such an informed animal advocate, don't even know the details of a lot of these things because it's so complex. You know, the animals are in every aspect of our lives and sometimes we don't even see it. And yes, the the big issues that are debated you know are we going to give billions of dollars to ukraine to fight the russians you know are we going to reform tax policy to keep more money in people's pockets or are we going to give nutrition assistance to millions of kids in the public schools those are the issues where the senate and the house debate the issues more actively more regularly and typically you need a supermajority to pass these issues you know we've heard in the senate out of 100 members, you need to get 60 votes on a lot of issues. Well, not a simple majority, but 60 votes. That's because of a procedural issue. But for our issues, which are typically not the tier one issues, we typically need 100 senators to agree. Because what happens, Tracy, is that say take the FDA Modernization Act, which seek which which is now law, and it eliminates after 84 years of of a policy uh, being so, so durable. 84 years, there was a mandate that the Food and Drug Administration, if it was going to approve a new drug for use in the marketplace, the drug had to go through extensive, multi-generational, multi-species animal testing. That went on forever. So when we got the chair of the committee of the Senate uh, Health Committee and the ranking Republican member when we wanted this to go to the floor, they had to bless the bill. And once they did, then we were allowed to work with the majority leader, Chuck Schumer, and the minority leader, Mitch McConnell. And they call all of the offices. This is called a hotline. They call all the offices in their conference. So this last Congress, there were 50 Democrats and 50 Republicans. So Schumer's office called the other 49 Democrats, wow. and McConnell's office called the other 49 Republicans. And if any one of them objects, they they can place a hold on the bill. And this is what happened with our Big Cats bill, the Big Cat Public Safety Act that we discussed. Three senators placed holds on the bill. Now, several of them said, hey, we just want more time to review it. But others simply disagree with the policy, and they place a hold. And one senator can stop that legislation from advancing. That's what happened to another of our priority bills, the Bear Poaching Elimination Act, Three senators, a senator from Alaska, one from Idaho and one from Kansas, put a hold on the bill that was designed to to ban the trade in bear gallbladders, which are used For Chinese medicine, right? Yeah, for Chinese medicine. For Chinese medicine. So it's like the rhinos are killed for their horns to make Chinese medicine. This is bears and their gallbladders in the bile because the Chinese Ministry of Health said that bear bile was an acceptable palliative treatment for COVID. And we oh were so concerned God. that if COVID, you know, got, got, got going, in China, as, now it ha- as it has ha- happened in December of 2022, that bear bile is going to be in demand and there'll be a surge of poaching throughout the world where three senators, for whatever crazy reason, Blocked this legislation by, by placing holds on the bill. So this is one of the parliamentary uh, maneuvers that makes it so difficult to pass legislation on animal welfare, as well as a number of other subjects in our society.
0: Well... Yeah, a number of other subjects, but the animal one is so blatantly clear. Be you Republican, independent, Democrat, it doesn't matter. You're like, yeah, let's not kill bears just to cut their guts out. Let's not cut the fins off of sharks swimming in the sea to go into some other Chinese soup that's supposed to make you feel better, not even cure a disease, which is absurd, but just make you feel better. So the the shark fin sales now outlawed in the United States. So the Chinese or Chinese Americans who are here. Sorry, no more shark fin soup. Not sorry. It's like these things are so blatantly awful, and you, know, you have three senators. For all we know, it's like they're at a they're playing poker, and the, it and these animals are just a chip on the poker table. Well, I raise you one. I, I you know I'll put you up a hundred dollars, yeah. or or you know you didn't say yes to my party, so I'm not going to go to your party. Like I don't know. It just it seems so. Petty and insignificant. Their whatever their what? personal stake is. Are, are they a stakeholder? Is it just a power play? Are they just flexing their muscle and saying, "Now nah, that's okay." Yeah. The other ninety seven say yes. We're going to go no just because we can. I don't know yeah. how you can well, stand right. it. You've been doing this for so I long. Know. It would make me – well, well it's, it's, I would just be useless at this. Everyone knows I could not be a corporate wife or a political figure because, you know, my heart's on my sleeve and it comes out my mouth. But I just – I <laughs> admire your patience and tenacity. It makes me want to, you know, call up those three centers' offices and go, are you crazy? What's the problem? Didn't you have any yeah. humanity? Of course, that's, you know, not a phone call I'm going to make or that anyone's going to take. But I, I just <laughs> want to <laughs> say that – well, we've, yeah, we've run out of time, we, we, Wayne, but but you have never run out of time. You're just constantly forging ahead. You got all of these bills signed into law, which is incredible. And you probably have another 50 you want to do. I, I, the Animal Wellness yeah. Action is amazing. I hope people will really go to the website, learn more about the center, S- center for a Humane Economy. I'm not sure exactly what we can all do, but being informed and smart and giving you some support in whatever way we can for the work you're doing, it's really important. It's like there's this evil empire of people with no heart and soul. That's what it feels like to me. Like you're just well, doing we have to be this good advocates.
1: work. We, yeah, we have to be citizen advocates. I mean, I can play an important role in guiding and leading this legislative effort with all the experience that I've accrued, the years, but having thousands of people, in yes. tens of thousands, hundreds of thousands of people in communities saying, this makes perfect sense. How could you possibly against be against this sensible idea? Yeah. And how could you be against stopping animal cruelty? That's what gives me great power. So when you say go to animalwellnessaction.org or org, the thing to do is not just read, which is very important, but sign up so we can then Alert you when there's a moment where you can plug in and help us get legislation or other right. policies over the finish line,
0: and go to the people in your state that that seem to have dug their heels in, and and give them what for Absolutely. as a constituent. Wayne, thank you exactly. so much. I know you're going to be back. There's so many incredible topics to talk about, and you give us hope in moments, at least in my case, of smoke coming out of my ears. Thank you for all the good hard work you're doing and your enormous success.
1: Thank you so much, Tracy, for everything.
0: Thank you for listening. There are a few more special companies that make this show possible. I hope you will support all of these companies because they stand behind my mission, which is to bring you delightfully informative Pet Talk Radio. Earth Animal, which is privately owned by Dr. Bob and Susan Goldstein, creates holistic pet wellness products with an emphasis on their stewardship of the Pet Sustainability Coalition. They make many non-chemical products for the inside and outside of your pets, as well as innovative foods like no-hide chews and the hybrid dry food wisdom, which sometimes is all that my Weimaraner Maisie will eat. I'm very grateful also to Evermore Pet Food, privately owned by two extraordinary women, Allison and Hannah, who cook dog food from the most pristine human edible ingredients and ship it to your door in frozen pouches. It's higher quality and more ethically sourced than my own food. Thanks again for listening. I hope you've enjoyed this one guest version of Dog Talk and Kitties 2 and we will listen to other episodes sometime soon.